Hey, it's Alexis Asadi, and welcome to the sixth episode of Income Investing, a show that explores different investments that produce income and or dividends. As always, thank you very much for tuning in. If you like what I'm doing with this podcast, I'd be grateful if you could share it with someone or give it a good rating. It's available on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and also on Google Play, so you can subscribe if you want to get notified whenever the next show comes out. I publish every Wednesday at around 10 in the morning Pacific Standard Time. Today we'll continue our journey through the world of the Real Estate Investment Trust, or REIT. This is a business that invests in a portfolio of revenue-generating properties. It pays out most of its net earnings to shareholders or unit holders, which makes it a popular income-producing asset. REITs operate all types of properties. For example, in episode number three of Income Investing, we looked at warehouse and storage REITs and how they've been affected by the internet and e-commerce. The following week, we talked about baby boomers and how they've paved a potentially lucrative path for medical and senior living properties. And last Wednesday, we explored the impact that millennials have had in multifamily and single-family residential REITs. In today's show, we'll dive into hospitality and lodging assets, like hotels, motels, and resorts. I'm going to talk about how you can participate in the earnings of brands like the Marriott, Sheraton, Hilton, and Fairmont. I've actually been pretty excited to host this week's episode. Most people think that the hotel business is exclusive and only available to the wealthiest investors. But thanks to REITs, it's a surprisingly easy industry to participate in, although it comes with its own set of risks and rewards. So let's jump right in. As you probably know, the hospitality business is a timeless industry. One of the oldest hotels in the U.S. is the Historic Inns of Annapolis, a collection of three properties that cater to notable tenants like Benjamin Franklin and John Adams in the 1700s. In Canada, the Halliburton Inn was built in 1823, decades before the nation was even founded. Many hotels are iconic national features, like the Plaza Hotel in New York, which housed famous guests like the Beatles and Eleanor Roosevelt. Movies like Home Alone, Crocodile Dundee, American Hustle, and The Great Gatsby were all filmed in part at the plaza. Hotels can be extremely profitable ventures. Wyndham Worldwide Corporation, for example, owns over 7,500 properties around the world and earned $1.3 billion in just the first quarter of 2017. The vast earning potential of hospitality properties is partially due to the fact that they can have multiple large revenue streams. Compare that, for example, to an apartment building, whose main income comes from charging rent to tenants. It might also make money from renting storage lockers or parking space, but those revenue lines are marginal in contrast. So let's peek into how hotels and resorts can turn large profits. To begin with, hospitality assets are like any other real estate, in that they can be bought for a low price and sold at a profit. It's a relatively large and liquid industry, and hotels often fluctuate in value. As well, their rooms can be rented to occupants, and the revenue can be used to pay down the mortgage or to generate a cash flow. However, hospitality assets can also come with restaurants, bars, ballrooms, conference centers, and in-room snacks. In fact, food and beverage sales can account for between 25-40% to 40% of a hotel's earnings, 
a profit center that isn't available to most other real estate, at least not in the same scale. Room service, corporate catering, drinks at the bar, and dinners at the restaurant downstairs contribute significantly to their bottom lines. Further, hotels can lease commercial units within their buildings to other businesses. For example, it's quite common for spas, clothing stores, souvenir shops, and tourism companies to operate within the building. As such, hotels can earn income from a combination of individual guests, corporate customers, and business tenants. But not all hospitality businesses own real estate. It's actually quite common for companies like the Hyatt to license their brand to other operators in exchange for a percentage of sales. They'll usually provide training, support, and access to distribution networks. But they take on a substantially reduced amount of risk because they don't have to fork over $30 million to buy a property. Instead, they need to ensure that their partners run the business well so that the brand's reputation remains intact. On the other side of the deal, the operator can use the brand to attract customers, so it's worth it to pay the commissions and royalties. This is the model famously used by Donald Trump, where he doesn't actually own most of the properties that carry his name. Instead, people stay in buildings that are branded with Trump because of its reputation. Of course, in Trump's case, his name has become deeply controversial since 2015. Many now associate him with racism, xenophobia, corruption, and as a con artist, instead of with luxury. As such, his properties around the world have suffered. Protests and demonstrations outside the hotels, along with customers purposely avoiding his properties, have caused sales to decline ever since he became president of the United States. The Trump organization has either resigned or been terminated from managing many such assets. For example, the Trump Soho building in New York was renamed the Dominic Hotel. The Trump Tower in Toronto is now the Adelaide Hotel. At the Trump Ocean Club in Panama, the Trump organization was fired this year after the hotel was virtually empty for months. To add insult to injury, this month it was reported that there are now only two companies producing Trump-branded products, down from 19 just a few years ago. As alluded to, another way for hospitality businesses to make money is to charge for management services. They provide leadership, guidance, financial analyses, and marketing efforts to hotels in exchange for fees. Hyatt, for instance, currently manages over 200 hotels, comprising of tens of thousands of individual rooms. Real estate investment trusts are big players in the hospitality business. For example, Host Hotels and Resorts is a Fortune 500 company and is the largest lodging REIT in the U.S. It owns 93 upscale hotels with about 53,000 rooms. Included in its portfolio are Marriott Hotels in Boston, Chicago, Calgary, San Francisco, Denver, and Brussels, Hyatt Hotels in Atlanta, Washington, Nashville, and Waikiki, Renaissance Hotels in Paris and Amsterdam, Sheraton Hotels in Boston, Berlin, and New York, several Ritz-Carlton hotels, a Fairmont Hotel in Maui, and dozens of others. But not all hospitality REITs focus on high-end assets. American Hotel Income Properties, for example, owns various properties under the Travelodge, Days Inn, Baymont Inn & Suites, and Super 8 brands. InvestREIT, spelt I-N-N-Vest, owns over 90 hotels with 12,000 rooms through brand names like Best Western, Comfort Inn, Holiday Inn, and Radisson. If you've ever stayed at any of these resorts, hotels, or motels, there's a good chance that they were owned by a REIT. Investing in a hotel REIT is effectively a bet on the economy. When people have more wealth, 
they'll usually take more vacations. That will typically involve staying at some sort of hotel, whether it's a five-star resort or a small cabin while camping. For example, at the end of 2017, the percentage of Americans planning to take a vacation in the next six months was the highest since 1978. That statistic was accompanied by an unemployment rate of only 4.2%, a record high stock market, and the highest amount of consumer confidence in almost 18 years. As you might expect, the hotel industry had one of the best years on record. However, in 2009, during the Great Recession, only one out of three people intended to take a vacation. This was in the midst of the worst financial crisis in 70 years, with high unemployment, widespread foreclosures, and low consumer confidence. When people are tight on cash, one of the first things they eliminate is discretionary expenses like vacationing. Further, businesses cut back during times of economic difficulty. This particularly impacts higher-end hotels, which receive around 75% of their demand from corporate customers. Not only are there fewer heads and beds, but there are less conferences and functions. Business events generate lucrative room fees and catering charges, which are an important profit center for high-end hotels. Therefore, the greatest risk to lodging or hospitality REITs is a weak economy. Not only does the industry get hammered in recessions, but it's slow to recover from them. Even though the Great Recession ended in 2009, hotel transaction volume in Canada fell by $700 million from the year before. If your economic outlook is bleak, then this is an asset that you'll want to avoid. Speaking of the future, the hotel industry has adapted well to changes in technology. Obviously, they've benefited from websites like Expedia, Hotwire, and Hotels.com, which allow customers to book rooms online. Before the 2000s, hotels were generally reserved via telephone or travel agencies, which came with two awful inconveniences, waiting and talking to humans. Now you can whip out your phone and book a trip in just a couple of minutes. Hotels have also deployed technology to automate or expedite the check-in and check-out process. This can save time and frustration for both staff and customers. As well, there are now several smartphone apps that come with hotel loyalty programs. These incentivize customers to become repeat buyers. Small perks for loyal occupants like a free glass of wine upon arrival or 10% off their next booking are an effective means of building goodwill. But instead of having to carry a card or remember an account number, your loyalty points are stored inside an app. They're often integrated with other companies, making the loyalty system even easier for the consumer to use. In fact, analysts believe that smartphones will soon replace room keys altogether. Occupants will be able to tap their iPhones or Androids against the door instead of searching for those pesky thin pieces of plastic. There's nothing worse than to return from a long day of skiing, exhausted, only to discover that you can't find your room key. You've then got to go downstairs, find a staff member, show your ID, get your new key, go back upstairs, find out that your key wasn't magnetized properly, go back downstairs and do it all over again. Obviously, these are tiny problems in the grand scheme of things, but try telling that to a vacationer. Moreover, companies like Starwood have used daylight harvesting and sensors to adjust for brightness in their rooms. This has allowed them to cut costs and become more environmentally friendly. Hotels have also made changes to compete with firms like Airbnb, attempting to participate in the sharing economy. For instance, many are turning meeting rooms into shared workspace. 
But while technology is especially important to younger consumers, retiring baby boomers are a major customer base for the hospitality industry. They are a large and wealthy demographic with both time and money to spend. Baby boomers are also responsible for multi-generational travel, bringing along their children and grandchildren on their vacations. These trips are costlier and are thus more lucrative for beneficiaries like hotels. With 10,000 baby boomers turning 65 each day in the U.S., it would seem that the hospitality business is poised to gain. However, one risk that's somewhat unique to lodging REITs relates to currency. International tourists are an important component of the business, but when the value of the local currency rises, it can make it more expensive for foreign travelers to come. As such, they may reduce the number of nights they spend at hotels or vacation to a different country altogether. Hospitality REITs are definitely a higher-risk play. They have high staffing costs and they're deeply dependent on the economy. But if the fundamentals are in place, then investors can do quite well with them. Some examples in the U.S. include Hersha Hospitality Trust, Gaming and Leisure Properties, MGM Growth Properties, Park Hotels and Resorts, and Sunstone Hotel Investors. In Canada, there's only one publicly traded lodging REIT. Ironically, it's American Hotel Income Properties. If you're going to invest in a REIT of this category, you should be aware of a metric called REVPAR, spelt R-E-V-P-A-R. You calculate it by multiplying the average daily room rate by its occupancy level. The higher the REVPAR, the better, because it can predict a hotel's profit. If the properties within a REIT's portfolio have mostly declining REVPARs, you should take extra caution before investing. So that about wraps it up for hospitality REITs. Next week, we're going to look at a type of REIT that you might be less familiar with, called data center REITs. They're a relatively new business, but many analysts have a strong outlook for them. Until next Wednesday, please take a moment to visit my website, alexisasadi.net, and peruse through the resources there. I've got a free 90-page ebook that you can download called The Foundations of Investing. I also have a few years' worth of blog posts that you can pour over if the ebook isn't enough. As always, thanks for spending your time with me, and I'll be back with you in a few days.